0: all
1: right let's start first of all i would like to say that hub australia acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we live and work We recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to elders, past, present and emerging. I'd like to introduce you to our wonderful presenter today, Martin Franklin, who launched his first podcast in 2006, eventually bringing his own show to become a weekly broadcast on radio. His business, East Coast Studio, produces top 10 podcasts and support podcasters to launch from a simple idea to successful seasons. First of all, I would also like to remind you that if you would like to speak, you can raise your hand. Uh, Also, please make sure that you make use of our Q&A box and utilize the chat function so Martin can answer all of your questions. Um, And just a friendly reminder as well that today's session will be recorded. So if you miss something, you'll be able to go back and watch it again. Um, And it's all over to you, Martin.
0: Thanks Val, thanks everybody for joining today. You can ask me some difficult questions if you'd like to now over to you. Hit me with some questions.
1: Hey, Martin, we already have one question in the Q&A box. Um, If you want to open it up, uh, but I'll read it out loud. What are the average and good podcast targets to set per episode?
0: Yeah, the super popular question. I read something while I was researching for this talk, which uh, was a a blog article by a podcast hosting platform that basically said, if you're getting 50 listens to a podcast episode, you're already in the top 50% of podcasts that they carry on their platform. I think we hear a lot about big, big numbers and people quote, you know, quoting tens and hundreds of thousands of listens, but those people are a super tiny minority. And actually when we evaluate whether our 50 listens is adequate or not, if you were to think about those as real people in a room and, you know, I'm talking to 20 of you now, but you, you know, you're 20 real people, and you'd be you'd be a, a roomful if you were in my house, uh, and I'd be really happy about that. So if I had 20 listens to my podcast episode, that's 20, that's 20 people. So that's what I've got to say about about listens. Awesome,
1: and we have another question in the chat box. Producers, what is the standard rack when it comes to costings?
0: Standard rates. Yeah, we're kind of in a space where there's n- not really a standard rate as such I think you could probably make a parallel with say graphic designers or you know individuals who who price their services depending on what um what they what how much money they want to make and but you know the quality that they feel they they offer so that it's very hard to to answer that but I price projects by the project or by the season. So I don't charge myself out on an hourly basis, but I think a good way to think about it is what do you earn per hour and add a little bit extra on top of that because you're probably working with a sole trader and that, that could be, you know, the sort of price, um, you might multiply that hour by three hours to produce an episode. And that would give you a kind of incremental cost that you could expand out through a, through a season. Yeah. Tricky to say.
1: Awesome. Um, two more questions, three more questions on Q and A. The first one is what's your preferred hosting space to distribute online?
0: People seem to get very uh, enthusiastic about podcast hosting, but it's a very, it's a very technical requirement really. And it's fundamentally simple you're just putting files on the server and the server just has to stay switched on and do you know and give you some kind of nice interface and access to analytics. So th- there's not a lot to distinguish podcast hosts. and I think this is an issue which podcast host businesses are, f- are finding now. How do they differentiate? The things that you might um, look out for that a podcast host would provide are transcription. Some of them have a kind of in, inbuilt transcription service, which might be a kind of white labelled Otter or sort of AI based transcription service. They might have access to a, an application called Headliner, which is something that lets you produce those little quote videos um, yourself quite quite easily. And then it's kind of all down to that like bandwidth. How much download are you? Allowed per month, so a lot of similar stuff that you'd encounter with a with a web host. Um, I host all my podcasts through Omni Studio, so clients who work with me are hosted in a kind of enterprise space that I've got on, on Omni Studio, and I'm really pleased with what Omni Studio offer, particularly in the area of analytics, because I definitely advocate. For podcast creators to become really aware of their analytics. And one thing which has been missing for a long time in podcasting is an audience retention measure. So you've always been able to see download numbers and those kind of big, big sort of headlines. But we've never been able to answer the question of how m- much of my podcast is listened to by the audience. You know, th- there's still that little niggling. Doubt that people may have, you know, subscribed at some point, and it's their it's their app which is downloading in the background, but they either never listen to it or, you know, it's too long and they never get time to finish it. So, I've definitely seen some analytics uh, on a show that I produce where the host is very keen on the kind of long listen approach, like forty five minute to an hour show, which I always felt a bit skeptical about. But now I've been able to look in the analytics and see 50% of the show is, is not listened to or is listened to if you want to be half full about it. So then it'd be much better for in that particular case for the creator to do two half hour shows or two 20 minute shows, same effort. And it would fit better with their listenership because it's all about fitting into the pockets of time that people have available. So we have to, we have to work with the audience and getting that analytic data on how audiences consume the show is, is valuable. So good analytics. And if they've got this audience retention measure, that's awesome. All right. Awesome.
1: Another question we have for. Five more to go through. Hopefully we have enough time for that. Um, hi, Martin. I have a strong desire to do one season about fatherhood to start with six episodes over six months and reassess after. Is it worth, in
0: your opinion? Six episodes, so like a, a monthly show for six months. Yeah, I definitely. Because, uh, you know, the the idea of, of a pilot is, you know, is pretty well known in, in the world of... Uh, Television, you need to do something in order to get that feedback from your your listeners and I'm always absolutely convinced that there's an enormous amount of learning that happens in those first seasons for for the creators of the show because f- fundamentally you you're developing all of those kind of professional broadcaster skills of interviewing people. How are you going to do your interviews and there's a world of detail in there do you script it do you have bullet points for the questions do you give your questions in advance to the guests what if you've got guests who won't stop talking how do you you know how do you deal with that there's a whole lot of learning that that you know need, needs to happen before you are able to perhaps arrive at the show that you've got in mind so i definitely think there's a value in in doing a 6 month pilot of a show, because then you've got like real world, it's not just in your mind anymore. You've got real world data to then move, move forward on and, uh, and you'll, you improve and learn heaps in the process.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Martin. What are the top three things a successful podcast should have?
0: Huh. Um, yeah, so, uh, somebody asked me this just the other day, there was, they called it the soup of success what ingredients would we have in the soup of podcast success? I would say, I mean, it's, the thing is, it it's all about your relationship with your audience. So it's very, it's very hard to kind of have a blanket, like just do this. Um, you know, I could sell that as a sort of premium service if I could answer it uh, effectively. So it, it's, it's that meeting point between what do you want to talk about and what do your audience want to hear? So you, I think consistency is something that I would say. There's a lot of questions around frequency of podcasting and should you do weekly, is fortnightly okay, is monthly okay. So I think um, whichever publishing format you choose, you've got to be consistent with it and you've got to develop some sort of messaging around that. And there is actually some data coming out now that, says, I almost don't want to say this because it's quite a thing to um, have to take on, but there is some evidence that's sort of saying weekly shows get a higher percentage of each show is listened to and are able to sustain growth over a longer period. But producing a weekly show is a real hustle to do. It's probably better to do in in batches so you you kind of blitz it over a, a few weekends and record like a season's worth and then all you got to do as they start to come out is the promotion and the posting about them doing w- week to week if it's a weekly show is it's all it's just so absorbing it's hard to do anything else around that so um, consistency is good and i think being being willing to look at the data and, and change from it. I, I definitely find myself in a position sometimes of having to show people the data of how their podcast is working, but sort of telling them things they don't want to hear. So you have to be willing to change and respond to the audience and try different things, look and see what other people are doing and sort of adjust your format a little bit. The marketing piece around podcasting like any marketing, you can never do enough. So having a bit of a strategy about where are you going to promote the show? It's its kind of that thing of, you know, people, I think we're probably a little over it now, but people who over the years have kind of gone, oh, I'm not going to go on Twitter. It's just like self-promotion, or I'm not going to connect with people on LinkedIn because, uh, you know, what, what use is that? And when you want to reach an audience it's too late because nobody's there whereas if you have adopted that approach and you've got circles and you've got networks then that's the framework you know of your audience that you're going to put your show into so make sure you're not shouting into the void i guess it's the but on the other hand if you want to then you know if there's something you're passionate about and and you want to do do it don't worry if no one's listening just do it that's, <laughs> that's what I do. Well, yeah, I've done.
1: <laughs> Next question. What tends to do better? More fun or funny or, or more specific educational in your experience?
0: Uh yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I think you so I've got a number of shows which are about, let's say, industry updates and and the currency. So it's either, you know, um, updates in, in legal uh, matters, updates in property matters. And you've, in that case, you have kind of societies or you have membership bodies so you know that people are, they're going to be interested in staying current and staying up to date with that information. Whereas I think probably entertainment-based shows are probably more tricky to to get it right because it's about there's a lot there's a lot more um, chemistry in there so it, it it's if you want to be entertaining it's like are you are you entertaining it, you know not everybody can do a, a stand-up comedy set or be entertaining on the microphone so I think it's it's harder you know you can work at it and you probably could uh, you know develop a framework that supports you to be entertaining but I, I i think it's harder and evaluating the the need in the audience is probably harder to do so some people some people do it so i guess it's it's just establishing you know what what particular era, area area um, of entertainment can you fit into obviously the one of the the biggest different, you know or one of the biggest certainly categories in podcasting is is true crime so entertainment if you like but in a sort of radio drama format um huge huge listenership for that stuff um but it's very very time consuming and and quite costly to produce that that type of stuff because it's such detailed work and you need so many um so many talents in order to to pull it off so information seems like a safer bet. Entertainment is exciting, but harder to do.
1: Awesome. Um, it's already one thirty-one. Martin, do you have enough time to answer three last questions or would you like for everyone to just uh, flick you an email with a question? Um, um,
0: what- yeah, I, I, do, I do. I mean, I'd love people to email me, you know, with offers of work and large sums of money. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy to ask questions while we're here.
1: Awesome, let's um, answer uh, last three questions, but who everyone who wants to jump off when they have to run off for lunch, um, just a heads up that we'll be sending out post event email to you so you can rewatch this recording. um, And so you can also reach out to Martin if you have any questions for him. Um, Yeah, and Martin, uh, one of the last three questions. In your experience, how long does it usually take to plan to plan to start a podcast setting goals audience content tools etc that,
0: that's a great question i i think the planning stage can be done quite quickly because you probably already ha- have an intuition on you know w- what you what do you want to do if 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 you just ask yourself that question of why am i doing this and um you know, arrive at that answer and then work out well, what's your sign of success from that. You can, you know, that that's just, I think, something you could do quite quickly. What I hear quite a lot, which is a time-consuming part, part of it that is easy to underestimate, is, is curating the, the guests. If it's an interview-based show, wrangling diaries and getting the dates in place when people are available to talk and, um, cre- you know, creating all of that, that content before you actually get to the recording, that can be, um, quite time consuming, but, you know, once you, once you've arrived at, at that thought, you know, and I, I think I'd also say, I, I, I'd, I see a lot of people who perhaps come from a more, um, commercial way of, of viewing things where they're kind of, taking a, a research led approach of saying, well, you know, l- look on Google trends and find what search terms are, you know, are peaking and find an, un- or find a, a, a niche, which is not being served and t- you know, target them. And I just, don't, I just don't buy that stuff. I think you have to be authentic to succeed in, in podcasting. You can't just decide, oh, there's, you know, there's these people who aren't being talked to a lot. I would just become a instant expert and start talking to them and they will love me. Um, you know, I, I think given that you be, you're playing on your strengths, you just got to decide why am I doing this? And it doesn't have to be that you want a big result at the end. You know, it can be, it can be research. It it can be that, oh, you know, I want to produce some content that I can then write blog articles about and sort of increase my visibility just through, you know, having more content available. I don't know how long it will take. I can't give you a short a short answer. It, it might take an afternoon for you to uh, go through the mental sort of process of working out your measurement and uh, you know some kind of strategy to disseminate the the podcast. And then let's say you you spend another spend for a fortnight. Let's say you spend two weeks uh, arranging a calendar of of guest interviews. You blitz it over a couple of weekends, and then you've got your first season's content. So let's say within a month, you're ready to launch. And then the hard work begins of promotion.
1: Awesome. Another question. What are your thoughts on recording and uploading the podcast on YouTube? Do you find that brings it more, um, clients?
0: Putting a podcast on YouTube. Um, I definitely would, would say that's a great idea. And my thought about it is um, because of that, that mechanism that we talked about earlier on where the, the audio podcast has a particular appeal and the way it's delivered, it, it goes straight to the, the listener without them having to you know, even be in a browser, whereas there's an enormous audience on YouTube for people who are on YouTube. So there's no reason why you shouldn't put your podcast up there, um, even if it's not video. I've got a client who, we did that, and we just did like a simple audio sort of waveform animation, but it was fundamentally audio. And every single one of his episodes gets an additional 200 uh, views or listens on on of, from people on YouTube. And one of the things that YouTube has the edge on over all of the podcasting applications is search. It's it's super discoverable. And because it's kind of, it's built on, you know, Google's thinking, um, the idea and the, the the presence and visibility of search on, on YouTube is is much higher. And that's what people are more inclined to do. So you're much more discoverable, uh, I think on, on YouTube, um, and the absolute sort of latest news is YouTube themselves are obviously not unaware of this trend, so they are now a kind of beta t- testing. It's probably more than beta testing, but there won't be a podcast section in YouTube. There is if you're in the USA now, um, and I guess they'll keep an eye on that and then potentially roll it out through interfaces everywhere. So um, that. Bodes quite well, I think for visibility of podcasts on YouTube. So, um, yeah, do it. It's, it's easy to do. So a lot, lot to be gained.
1: Awesome. One last question. Do Spotify and Apple podcasts have backend analytics built in or do you use a third party data tracking platform? Mm,
0: Getting technical. Um, they do both have built in analytics that obviously talk about what's happened on, on their platform. So what what I think is probably, and they are really good. One of the fantastic things you can get from Spotify, which you can't necessarily get in other places is demographic information because Spotify is inherently account-based. You have to sign up and, you know, deliver some of your information, your your gender and your age bracket and this type of thing. So you get, a better sense of your audience from YouTube because you can see demographic information. Plus, you can also hear what music your listeners like. So, so from looking at Spotify data on um, on the REIQ podcast, I can give you some pretty good insights into what your real estate agent likes to listen to. So yes, they're very useful Individually, Apple stats are also great, and they they have their own. They call it engagement metric in in Apple, so it gives you a percentage of how much your your show has been listened to on Apple. So there are those are the two big ones, um, but having a third party host or a third party s- stats tracking would perhaps give you a more kind of cumulative view because there's a load of smaller podcast directories that all, all together are worth, you know, are worth getting a, a sense of, and it's, it's kind of easy to, to arrive at that, at that data, but yeah, there's super stats from Apple and, and Spotify, but your host will give you kind of a more holistic presentation of, of the data.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, okay. I want to say thank you for the wonderful <laughs> webinar. I think all of our members and visitors today have learned so much. Um, and I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you. Thank you so much.
0: There we go. Um, I hope that was a bit of a whirlwind of interest and you are now the office podcast expert for this afternoon. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. मैं